On the show today, Roblox Row Problems, being good at things is overrated, and we swipe right on that halberd in 3, 2, 1... <laughs> Still working on how we're doing intros. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nathan? Are you questioning Nathan in yes. third person? Yes, I'm saying I think I'm Nathan. I think you're Nathan too. And I think you're Alex. No. And I think this is Total Pebble Knockdown. But anyway, if you're joining us today on this episode, congratulations. You might be watching Total Pebble Knockdown too. There's something. Electric Boogaloo? Electric Boogaloo. Total Pebble Knockdown 2. Electric Boogaloo. In fact, if you look at some of our... Um, if you have any of the holographics, it, it, you probably don't because they're not widely distributed. <laughs> if you did, they have like the, the uh, little bit of shiny code on it. So, Lucky viewers might actually get some. Ah, uh, yes. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to do some giveaways uh, at the start here. Yeah, I've got a bunch of stickers. Yeah, we got stickers. We we do have stickers. We're hopefully going to have more merch as time goes on. But again, Stick early stages. Stickers aren't merch. Stickers are just... Have stickers. Stickers? Well, stickers are merch. Well, they're promotional merch. They're swag. Yes. I think they're swag. It's the stuff we all get. It's the stuff that we would hand out at conventions if we ever went to those. Yeah. Those on the back of the business cards, we don't have. On the back of the business cards, we don't have, but I probably should get. I still have tons from the last show. Which are all defunct anyways, <laughs> and have been for like four years. Yeah. Well, no, I have the, the ones that I got that actually link to the new website and everything. But, of course, oh. that's, that's the old website now. <laughs> so, it's kind of... I still have some that are the original website. Oh, yeah. Those are... Super defunct. Yeah. I'd like to see business cards where you have just the, like, the symbol, like the like the actual microphone symbol that we have, and then just have, like, the name of the the show and then like our names underneath with like the website with that background I mean, that'll essentially just be like the banner images that we have on the yeah twitter and youtube i think then yeah basically no, take the look. banner basically take the banner make a business card out of the banner i mean yeah we, we it'll be whatever is on the um patreon wants to rebrand that too yeah we gotta do that too anyway uh, we should actually do that that show part, which we which we're kind of in. This right is what now. podcasts do. They it's ramble like, these days. They right? ramble these days. Yeah, but we don't have to ramble all that. Much. I think there is the one problem. Like I I appreciate the rambling, but I also appreciate when they do not ramble too much. The total pebble knockdown logo, as we know it, these aren't supposed to be like little tiny conversations that eventually get to the big one. We hope that, maybe that's actually that's what the explanation stand. of it. I think that's what I this mean, actually is. Originally, I was like, maybe we could have those be dice falling down it. But Ray was like, no. It's too much. It's it's not even that it's too much. It's that they're too small. 
to care about. Right. And frankly, it just, I think it's going to lose its effect. You start, yeah. you don't start seeing this as a rock slide anymore when it's dice going down. No, but, yeah. but, mm. on the side note of things like that, um, the album art does have subtlety to it in the background if people want to look. I will not tell you what it is or why it is right now. Mm. But if you want to get at us later and tell us your theories on it, I would love to hear that. And uh, we'll tell you later. Maybe. And if it turns out that the subtlety you were seeing is not the one we were thinking of, we might also claim that as our own. Yes. We totally intended it. That's the exact idea. Yeah, absolutely. Crowdsourcing those ideas. Yeah. (laughs) Since 2021. To the actual show part, I was looking some stuff up this morning and just seeing what some of the articles about, like, gaming news is. Because I have to explain to people that, like, my my experience uh, keeping up to date on gaming news is mostly a few people that I happen to watch and a few things that I happen to look up. And uh, sometimes things catch my fancy. And the one thing that came up immediately about current events was actually more or less just a a think piece but it was uh from kotaku and it was about um uh roblox kind of being shady in its uh in its monetary practices but i have to tell you that doesn't really seem like news to me i yeah i mean roblox is just kind of shady in general yeah i um (laughs) I can appreciate that somebody wanted to do an article about it, about how, you know, it's like a multi-billion, what is it, a, it it's a $45 billion company, Roblox. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of that is, is related to the, the website and how how many games are part of Roblox right now. Well, it's because people can go in and there and create their own worlds and games and all of that. Yeah. Of course, the I think that the thing that the Luke Plunkett article was mostly talking about is that Roblox is kind of promising kids that they'll they could earn serious cash from the game and maybe they're thinking because if you're a creator of one you know you you can get paid for the creation but frankly the the idea that you're going to do that is very few and far between um what they mentioned in the article at least is that they probably won't pay you anything unless that particular game mode makes like over a thousand dollars so right away you're kind of limiting the number of creators that are really going to be getting any kind of payment from it and uh just the whole robux situation and everything for me uh i i never really saw it as a as more than a cash cow anyway which you know good for them but I had my own experiences with Roblox. I don't know if you've ever played anything on it. Uh, I have not, but my son does like to play some Roblox stuff. Yeah, and so does my um, so does my cousin. She the last time she came over, she was like, "Let's play some Roblox," and I'm like, "Why?" And she was like, we'll play this game. It's like the pet one where you go around this world and you get the pets and you have the parrot or whatever. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, this is the most boring stuff 
I have experienced. But I had tried some games beforehand. I, I tried it out when I did that free-to-play marathon a few years oh, back. Did you? Yes, I did. That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll see. Maybe I can link the video when we do this because that was a that was a fun one. But anyway, I bet. yeah, they felt very samey. Most of them. Uh, there was the one that where you do the snow plowing. Uh, you just plow all the snow in the village. All right, oh cool. There's the one where you sift through sand to see if you can get gold and there was one where you you know knock a bunch of blocks down see how far down you can get and it's like yeah that's fun and my head kept getting bigger for some reason no one could explain all right i think that i mean on the other end roblox has some pretty shady stuff in there that are like adults playing it oh yeah you know yeah to talk to children which is really not okay um, and then yeah. another one that I've heard on YouTube videos about are, like, full-blown cults. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of stuff going on in there. Oh, well, you it was know. like, what, what even? You know, the thing about it is, if you create this, like, open-source game where anyone can make a game and there's, like, no real regulation or, like, people... There's not a lot of people checking on this stuff. <laughs> you're, you're bound to get some cases that are, um a little less than savory. It's a little wild. I tried so many different kinds of games just to see what the appeal was, and every single time I was like, this feels like a worse, a much worse version of something else I've probably played at some point. Yeah, that's about what it is. Uh, On the flip side, on the other side of things, I will say the one good thing Mm -hmm. ever to come out of Roblox would be that the origin of oof is actually in Roblox. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. That's uh, <laughs> that's the death sound. When they die, they go, oof. Oh, okay, so that's that's Roblox. Okay. That's Roblox. That's ah. where that came from. So that's where all the oof. Right. Which has just become a staple of everybody's vernacular by now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it was one of those things where I never I never really encourage people to play Roblox, and I usually try to discourage kids, especially from playing Roblox, because I don't think it's... It, it's it's not really a friendly place to be most of the time, and it's probably going to give you some um, disillusionment. I, I think the big thing, though, that always bothered me was the premium currency part of it, which is kind of like the, you know, uh, pay-to-win sort of model, where depending on who's building what, uh, since anybody can build whatever they want, uh, if you're saying like, oh, here's the, here's like the snow plow that's going to make the snow blowing way, way easier, uh, but you have to pay the premium currency in this specific game for this specific thing, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a nightmare (laughs) in terms of, uh, in, in terms of getting kids to shell out a lot of cash that they might not have. Yeah, microtransactions within microtransactions. Yeah, it's microtransactionception, and I think that that was uh, one of the big problems that I saw right away, but now, you know, like, they're talking about with the creators and some of the things that you mentioned from videos you've been watching is it makes me uh, even less yeah. savory. So next time, if she comes over and she wants to play the, the, the Roblox again, I, I gotta just, like apparently stay with her the entire time i'm not gonna yeah. leave her alone in there i generally just when i have my kid i'm like hey want to just play minecraft dungeons because you know you can't even chat in that no you can't 
This is really the best case for single-player campaigns. No jerks. I mean, or other you'll people. still have jerks in role-playing games. They're just the NPCs. <laughs> I think I prefer my jerks to be scripted in-game. Depends on the game, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe not completely scripted, because, the well, we'll talk about that in a later segment. <laughs> but uh, but at any rate, so that was the thing that I, I just had, but I don't really feel like that's news, so to speak, that Roblox has shady business practices. It's I mean, it's or... interesting to discuss. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially where we're not just focused on tabletop anymore, so we can do that. Oh, yeah. We have games in all different forms and fashions now that we're discussing, so that's a it's a good thing to note. You know, on, on that note, too. Yeah. It's... I was going to say, it's kind of weird you don't see more of that kind of microtransaction-type economy in tabletop gaming. But at the same time, CCGs exist. Mm, yeah. 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 Which, you know, it, it is a physical thing that you get with the collectible card games. If, if you're not familiar, that's what CCG is. Or TCG, trading card games. Or trading card games. Congratulations, we're a learning channel now. Anyway, more you know, more you know, and bye. Uh, but you do get a physical thing, but it is in many ways the same kind of mechanics, and they were talking about this when it went to, like, Congress. This is essentially, like, gambling mechanics. And so the, 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 the prize boxes that you would get where it's yeah, random. Yeah, loot boxes? The loot boxes, yeah. I mean, Surprise the mechanics. Be- the difference between a loot box and, say, a booster pack of Magic the Gathering isn't so, isn't really a big difference. No. You get real-world product and you can make real-world money from Magic the Gathering, and I guess with some games that offer loot boxes, you can, like CSGO, make real-world money on the skins in that, um, but that's, that's about it. A lot of other games is items that you cannot trade or do anything else with that you get so right yeah so so there is that if you were looking for i guess the physical the analog version uh, I, I suppose of like the the loot box mechanics but in terms of the pay to win mechanics i don't know if it's really pay to win but i have seen like maybe like the downloadable PDF versions of different like role-playing games and stuff where they'll add different content and maybe it's downloadable content. Uh, either, you know, here's here's the new species that we created for the game or something and some of them are kind of powerful. And then that's like a, another transaction on top of the, the normal game. Add-ons? You can actually kind of see that with different settings that get created for games and stuff like that. But I don't really feel like those are necessarily as egregious as the horse armor, so to speak. No, because add-ons you're getting, like, an actual game to play. Right. For content, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I have for you. Aren't you so thrilled? No. But... (laughs) But do you think the reason why Tabletop doesn't really have the same problem with the microtransactions is because so much of it is user-generated? Um, a lot of it probably comes from that, because you can go on to, like, DMs Guild and right. get either very low-cost or no-cost um, content, or you can create your own content, and that is generally free. Right. Or you can borrow content, again, like you said, find free PDFs. 
Mm -hmm. So either it's low or no cost a lot of the time. Um, and I think that's one reason. The other thing on that too is like the people that play like your CCGs, Magic the Gathering, who want to go out of their way to buy really powerful cards and combos and stuff for their decks. Yeah. Generally have sunk a metric ton of money into the game anyways. Yes. So to them, it's probably, you know, a return investment because they get to win in their games, potentially, because they're buying power cards that cost $800. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I keep thinking to myself that, like, with a, with a video game, like, as much as I like video games, they really are created and then distributed off to you. And with tabletop games, a lot of it is is created kind of on the fly with the people that that are playing it, especially with like role playing games. So, trying to uh, sell people the solution to the problem that we created is a lot harder with a tabletop setting than with a with with a video game. Um, I think it's also when you have like a pay to win mechanic in a competitive game, mm -hmm. it then becomes uh, it's. I'm not sure exactly what to call it. It's kind of like where it takes care of itself because the people that are paying to win are usually going to be up ending up in brackets against people that are paying to win. Yeah. In a lot of cases because it's like, ha, I'm doing really good. Everyone else that's doing really good is either actually good or also paying to win. Yeah. No, you, uh, you and I don't think enough. you see that in tabletop so much because it's not really about winning as often. Right. Like, Magic and that are, to a degree, if you play in tournaments. Mm. But generally, if you're playing with people that, you know, you're still on equal ground a mm. lot of the times because there's chance involved. Right. Right. So even if you buy all these power cards, someone else can have a deck that just outperforms or is just a great counter to what you have. There's, there's balances to that. Yeah. Yeah. There certainly is. At some point, we might have to do a little bit of a mini series about um, evil mechanics, which, <laughs> which is which is all about the ideas of um, the different kinds of loot boxes, microtransactions, and the other kind of more shady business practices that have been going on. Horse armor. Horse armor. Horse armor. <laughs> you know, though, the great thing about it is that when they got to Fallout 4 and they actually made something that was free in the Creation Club where you could actually do a quest to get the horse armor. Did you ever do that? No, I didn't. No? <laughs> no, and, I and didn't know that. You, they did. The Giddy Up Buttercup. You oh, know how geez, they have the yeah. part? They made they made an armor out of the Giddy Up Buttercup oh pieces. That's great. And is it power armor? It is. It's a power armor suit. And That's it's great. it's terrific. And Bethesda was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna own up to this." So here is just a free thing on the Creation Club, and you can just now you can have a little mission where you go and get the horse armor. <laughs> that is pretty great. I do love one of the creations uh, for Skyrim. Oh yeah, that is the monocled and top-hatted mud crabs. Oh my goodness! Yes. That's terrific. Um, and then the ones that swear at you as well. Those are great. Oh, yeah. I love I love the mud crabs. Mud crabs are always so much fun. I remember back when they had Morrowind and they had the one mud crab that you could trade like 10,000 gold to on a daily basis. 
Jeez. And it would just would just buy things at like um, retail pricing for you. <laughs> you just you just buy it. Um, I'm actually gonna see if I can throw a picture for you for the fallout for horse armor because it is terrific and it's not like a long mission for you to go on. There, now you can see the horse armor. There you go. There's the I horse hate armor. It. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's your horse armor. They did it. You know, I, I didn't really use power armor a lot in Fallout 4 when I played it. No. No. I didn't. Because it was just easier on foot. Right. <laughs> Although I figure if you're doing a melee build, power armor might be really fun. Oh yeah, because you can do like pain trade and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very useful. Let's move on. <laughs> sure. We're getting... Move on from... Butter, buttercup, getting a buttercup armor. Getting a buttercup, thank you. Let's Very let's goodness. move on from that. <laughs> here's here's a subject that I did want to discuss with you. I think we talked about it uh, a little bit, but we wanted to do this. But I, I wanted to to talk about it more in depth. Is it the lighting in here? Because next time we'll probably turn the lighting. The overhead light on that would work. Oh yeah, or open a window or something. I'll put a little ring next to the top of your head, and then it yeah. will look like it's a halo, like just a halo. Yeah, and then we can sing that song over and over again. I'll get the soundtrack for the Halo theme. I'll have it play over in the background. That's yeah, that's demonetized right there. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, totally demonetized. Oh well. Uh, no, actually, for the like the delving deeper. Or whatever we'd like to call this particular segment. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about something that I used to experience, and I think that it's related to tabletop gaming, and uh, it's referred to as the curse of competence. Now, if you've never heard of that, I think it's probably better if I explain that in detail. Yes, please explain it, so okay. I know which which curse you're talking about specifically. <laughs> yeah. So, back when I used to work in the retail, you might know a little... Back, back in the retail days. Back in the way, way long ago. The long, long ago. The before times. The before times. The long, long ago. Um, we, uh, you, you know, sometimes they'll ask you to do a lot of different things and wear a lot of hats. Not literal hats. DC does wear a lot of hats. DC literally wears a lot of hats, but, you know, in terms of the jobs that you perform. Yes. So something that you would find a lot is that if you were good at doing the job, even if it wasn't necessarily your job, people would start having you do the other jobs too, because a lot of people were not good at it. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Unless you're the person who then has to do not just your job, but everyone else's jobs <laughs> at the same time. When I was in retail, I was a, a CSA, a GSA, I rang on register, I was a relief for the service desk, I processed in the back room, I did stocking, I did resets, and then I eventually worked in planning and I worked in operations, which meant I was also HR. So that was, you know, a lot. That's a lot. That's just a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah, it really is. And uh, it looks great on a resume, though. Oh, it looks terrific on a resume, <laughs> which just means that you are leaving to find something else. But 
when when I eventually got to like that last phase where I was in operations and I was doing HR, all the other things that I used to do, they still kind of needed me to do because if they're getting like blocked up in any of those uh, places, they just wanted me to come in and do it. And so uh, one of my managers, a few years in after I was there, uh, looked at me and said, Nathan, it's called the curse of competence. If you are good at doing jobs, be prepared to always do that job. They're just not going to even worry about anybody else doing it. It now falls to you to do it, even if it's not really your job. Um, I started to think that this does happen a little bit in tabletop gaming as well. And I think it mostly falls into the whole forever GM uh, role. Ah, uh, yes, if you're good at being a dungeon master or games master, you're forever going to be a dungeon master or games master. This is true. I, I think that in some ways maybe it does happen with players too, especially like if you're if you're good at voices or you're like the comic relief or you have certain st- or, or you're really good at telling individual stories you kind of get that role and you get brought in to try and do that. You're expected to do that. Luckily, I was not a good GM, so I never had to worry about doing that. I was not good, and they will never have me do it again, which is great, but I do know some people who have that problem, uh, that they will never be able to actually play the game because they are too competent at actually running the game, and that is definitely a harder job. Overall, yes, overall. But that's an interesting thing, though. Do you do you think it's a harder? I mean, I suppose it depends on the group that you're in. Sure. Um, and how involved you want to be, because eh, I don't know. As far as I mean, if you don't want to be a forever GM, the way to do it is you start a new group, and then you suck at GMing on purpose, and then they take it away from you, <laughs> and they take away the privilege from you. You go. You know, it sounds good. Killing all these guys two sessions in. Yep. Giving them a total bubble knockdown, if, if you will. Yep. Absolutely. You, Dad, that's on brand for us. But uh, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> on point, Nathan continuously says that I kill all my players and I haven't run a game in like five years. And they... But here's the thing. The players that you had five years ago are still dead. The players or the characters? Yes. Anyway, the <laughs> not if you don't find the bodies. <laughs> Our phone number here is no. Um, so, so, so there is that. Of course, if you do like being the GM, this is fine. You just be the GM. I think that there's also a there's there's a bit of a an uh, idea that an expectation, I should say, that when you are a GM or you even are a player, or you're even writing campaigns or anything like that. Now, you're kind of expected to be as good as the best people that have done it, because you've seen the people who are the most competent among them. And you're seeing people who are competent and have a crew helping them produce it. Oh yeah, but you know, for for the newbie coming into it. Oh yeah, you, they might expect that everyone's that good. Why aren't you Matt Mercer? Um, cause one, I am not. Uh, two, I don't have that production crew. And and three, 
I go go ahead. See if he'll run a game for you. <laughs> like, I mean, he also was an actor as well. I oh believe. yeah, voice acting. He did a lot of. I mean, and the the whole crew's like on on Critical Role or any of those. They're they're all you know entertainers by nature. So you know they have professional training in this. Um, I don't. Like at the end of the day, no. I don't. And no. <laughs> everyone's aware of that. I don't have training in it. Um, and I'm not going to be that. So I did find it a little interesting. This is actually a story that happened from the time I did try, is when I was like laying stuff out and, and trying to figure out how I navigate the GMing duties, and somebody was like, well, you know what Matt Mercer does? <laughs> and he would explain to Someone me. Someone actually say that? Yeah, it's like, you know, with, like, and, and, and I was like, yeah... This is the first time I've even done this, so probably not going to be that. Now, in, in fairness, they were saying, like, with with a Matt Mercer, in that particular case, he expects that all of the characters, or the, the players, are fully aware of what the characters know and are taking notes the entire time, and if they don't remember a password oh or something, and if they don't remember passwords and something like that, too damn bad. You can't get through the door if you don't remember the password. I expect as, you guys to be paying as, attention. As much as I like that for the fact that, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. In a way, I also hate that because the last thing you want to be doing while you're playing a game like D&D or any RPG is probably going to be taking notes. Yeah. they They were actually saying it in terms of you probably don't have to do that. <laughs> and yeah, you you probably don't. Like I don't I don't want to take notes so I'm playing a game. I want to be absorbed in the game. If yeah. if you maybe task one party member per session, mm. like a different party member, somebody take notes of stuff that goes on and we'll change it up each week so that we all have a turn doing it. Mm -hmm. But somebody take notes each of each session of relevant stuff so that the party remembers things. Mm -hmm. I don't expect the players to remember these things if it happens like if you game every once a week or once every two weeks and something happens three sessions ago yeah. for instance mm -hmm. that's sometimes three weeks ago sometimes six weeks ago right. So like the difference in time scale is that our human brains are terrible but our player brains probably remember something that happened to them Either a couple hours or a couple days ago. Right. Well, because you hope that your player character is, um, you know, the actual hero of the story, and therefore <sighs> might be more competent in this situation than you. Yeah. I feel you like hope. for that, like, uh, if we weren't to get, get into mechanics discussion, right. a simple, like, stat or substat or a skill for uh, memory... Mm -hmm. Or recall, I think uh, one system might have had that as a thing, mm -hmm. where it's uh, what you can recall, and you make a roll, and it's like, do I remember this? And if your character, if you as a player don't remember it, but your character should, you can like roll for that and just be like, yeah, your character totally remembers that. It was like two days ago, right? I feel like those are kinds of things that are very indicative of, of what different kinds of GMs want to do. But if you're kind of expecting somebody to be really great at it out of the gate, that might be a little bit more than they can handle. It might actually turn them off from doing it. Um, yeah. 
But but the the curse of competence part, just to kind of bring it on back, uh, is the idea that when you are good at it, you never get out of it. And you know the <laughs> the trick there, though. Again, as I said, and I I would hate to admit this, but in my career of a an employee, I do my best not to let people know I'm competent at things. Unfortunately, this is kind of the way of the world, is that you don't necessarily want to show how good you are at something. Yeah, I'm fine with people thinking I'm just kind of goofy or average. Yeah. Um, I've been a manager, an assistant manager, a supervisor, and it's like, don't really care for that position. So, not gonna show them I can do it. Yeah. Because once people know you can do it, they expect you to do it and will often make you do it. Oh, yeah. Once you uh, can show that you actually can be in a leadership position, that's super great. But what are you getting out of it except headaches, more than likely? Um, well, uh, stick to my dairy cooler. Yeah, just stick to your daily cooler. Keep your head down. Don't, don't admit that you're actually good at things. Um, because, uh, like, I was a relief team leader back when I was working on the ropes course, too. I, I had worked really hard, I was my ground crew, I, 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 did a, I did a good job, and I was super happy, and then I would become a relief team leader. Basically what that ended up meaning, though, was that when all the other team leaders decided they wanted to cut out early and go to the beach, we'll just leave Nathan in charge! <laughs> so they Enjoy. didn't go to the beach ever. Oh, I didn't get to go to the beach. I had to they, stay and run the course. They were probably just afraid you were going to sunburn. They were probably afraid that I was going to sunburn. Well, yeah, yeah or they could they could have put me out in the woods. That would have been fine. I, yeah, yeah. I had many lovely days where I was just like at the end of the jungle course, and you're just out in the woods, like about 35 feet in the air, just hanging out on a platform, just waiting for somebody to come by to get them off the course. It's like, that's not bad. You just kind of yeah. lean next to a tree for hours on end. It's, it's my Perfect. job. Yeah, exactly. But then when you got to actually run the course, now I got to get down. Now I got to run around all over the place, make sure everybody is on their lunch schedules and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is totally worth the hassle and the headache. Um, so I guess the lesson, folks, don't be good at your job. <laughs> Yeah, be terrible at your job. <laughs> be terrible at your job. Or whatever you don't want people to think you're good at. Exactly. Don't try to climb the ladder. It's not going to end the way you think it's going to end, unfortunately. Um, I really I really do worry, though, about the idea that it's going to be bad for people who are trying to get into the activity, especially with tabletop gaming. But really, I, I see this a little bit in you know, video gaming as well is the get good kind of thing, uh, which is like, you know, if you're not great at something, then why are you doing it? Or you have to get really good at something really quickly. Uh, I like to be completely incompetent. Uh, when, it, when it comes to video games, when people say, are you good at them? No, I play a lot of them. <laughs> I don't, I'm not good at them, and I am not going to try to do, like, you know, oh, look at this speed run I did and the challenges I did, because then that's going to be all the expectation about, yeah. like, doing that. Because I'm not good at it, and it's, it's going to end up bad, because then they're going to expect that all the time. Yeah, that's why I don't do competitive gaming, because I don't care. Esports! No. No. EA Sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EA Sports. It's, Get in the game. It's in the shame. 
It's in the shame, yes. It's in the shame. Uh, anyway, so the big takeaway for the curse of competence is don't be competent and you won't get cursed. Or find someone with a remove curse spell. I wonder if there could be an actual D&D campaign that you did um, where you have to remove the party's curse of competence. So Actually, that they... that'd be really great <laughs> is if somebody homebrewed yeah. in there an actual curse of competence. And that, that's why, and that's why the party keeps getting called to deal with every single menial task in every single town. <laughs> I need you guys to clean this well. Um, is there a monster in the well? Ah, oh, it's just dirty. It's just dirty, and I heard that some of you have like water magic and stuff. So if you could just do that, and um, the constabulary is looking for a couple of lost cats. If you could get on that while you're at it, I. <laughs> You have a druid. Can you, like, put a vine up there or, like, make the tree smaller? You know, could you just so, do that? So on that note, though, Nathan, hmm. uh, what would be the opposite of the curse of competence? The gift of incompetence? The gift of... Uh, it, it's it's a gift. The gift of being a Cocoa Puff. The gift of uselessness? Yeah, the gift of uselessness. Let's go with Perfect. that. Uh, we get, you the, curse a party with that. The bliss of ignorance. Oh, yeah, that would work. The bliss of ignorance. The bless the, of ignorance. The bless of ignorance. There you go. <laughs> That's so you've got the cur- you've got the curse of competence. Yep. And then the bless of ignor of yeah ignorance. Ble- <laughs> yeah. The bless of ignorance. This is a- I actually do do this when I get into new games and I get into new settings. I do work on the premise that I am an idiot and I don't know what I'm going to do. And therefore, there are no expectations on me. And it really is a blessing in a lot of ways. It's terrific. No one has any expectations of you. And you're kind of free to do whatever you want until you have inadvertently shown that you actually do know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. We're doing three segments today, aren't we? Yeah, allegedly three. Five is right out. Five is right out! Five will come eventually, but we want to get, like, rolling and and get used to doing this and get stuff stuff out there, so, uh... Minimum... Minimum three. Minimum three. Minimum three, uh, probably maximum five. In In the segment of games you probably never thought that I would play, but I did... Literally. You already talked about Roblox. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that. But no, I recently, very recently, like yesterday, uh, finished a Boyfriend Dungeon, which had Perfect. just come out a while ago. What yeah. was the boss fight? Uh, the boss fight... Oh, should I get into spoiler? No one cares. Uh, okay. Spoiler here. Uh, skip to like two minutes ahead of now. Yeah. If you care. Yeah, if you care... I'm going to do some spoilers for Boyfriend Dungeon, and it's probably only going to take, like, two to five minutes. If you really, if it really matters to you. But I'm not going to do too much. Uh, no, the final boss battle is, like, this, uh, zombie-like creature called, uh, that they call Katana, who's made up of, like, little bits and pieces of all the other weapons that have been put together by this very obsessive uh, character in the game which I think was actually one of the more controversial parts about the game 
that I'm not going to get into very much right here. Oh, I did see there was some sort of controversy around Boyfriend Dungeon. I just... Yeah. Which, I mean, the, the general... Like, I, I know I didn't particularly think it was a huge deal, but I totally understand why people were like, yeah, you probably should have had a better content warning for it because I was like, yeah, it's an interesting... It's an interesting way to present the information, guys. But anyway... It kind of leads to that, uh, where you have the fight, that last little fight. But the general idea about Boyfriend Dungeon is, for people who are not aware, you you go to this uh, Verona Beach for the summer, and it's and and your cousin tells you it's the summer of love, and uh, it's basically like a dungeon crawler with a dating sim, and you date the weapons you use in the dungeons. How does that work? Well, g- glad no one asked. Um, Nobody asked. But no- tell us anyways. I will tell you anyway. So, in this world, for reasons they never really explain, some people are able to transform into weapons. I really hope there's a magical girl sequence. There is a an anime sequence showing Every single weapon transforming into a person. Perfect. That is a magical girl sequence. Even if it's not a magical girl, I think it's still classified as a magical girl sequence. Sure. There don't, is... don't ask. <laughs> I don't know. There, there is, there is the one female character uh, that you can date, um, but there, mo- most, most of them male uh, or non-binary, or, or there's also a cat. You don't. Ah, uh, yes. You don't really fall in love with the cat, but you can give the cat pets, and you can raise their love level up. That they <laughs> they love they they love. The cat is brass knuckles when it's a when it's a weapon pocket. For the record, played through to the end, and also brought love level up to a full max of six for all seven characters. That was the last few days. Of my all life. right then. Yep. I'm gonna cry a little for all that love loss. <laughs> You're gonna cry for that. Well, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. I liked the dungeon crawling stuff. It was, it was yeah, that I was, like dungeon crawlers. It definitely isn't. I think some people might compare it to roguelikes. It's not really a roguelike uh, because you, you actually gain experience at the end of every one of your runs and you get money and crafting materials and stuff that you can use in the overworld so it's would not... it be more of a roguelite then possibly i mean i'm i'm actually playing a roguelite right now and it is one of those where a lot of the stuff that you accrue in dungeon if you die you don't keep what um, are you playing now uh i'm playing a little of hades right now oh okay yeah that that's roguelite that's roguelite. There, you can make progress Right. But there's still... Each run is kind of its own thing. Right. In in Hades, the whole notion is you do get to choose, like, a boon that to take in. Uh, you get to choose a weapon to take in. And there are some uh, points as you go through to different dungeons and stuff. But, like, yeah. but money each... and advances and stuff in the dungeons don't carry over. Yeah. Each run resets them, right? 
for the most part, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't gotten deep enough into it, but I think after you complete one section, you can jump to, like, the next section after you've moved on to it, so you don't have yeah. to redo it all okay. over again. I know Curse of the Dead Gods, which I have, which is a uh, roguelite, which I've played a bunch of and haven't a little bit, but it's, it's decent, mm. is um, you can upgrade the temple where you begin. Mm. With like you do accrue my uh the monetary unit outside of the dungeon. Yeah. From defeating bosses and stuff. Okay. And then you can use that to upgrade your altars and you can upgrade some a couple passive abilities. Sure. And all that and, and then unlock different weapons the weapons uh the altars can offer. Mm-hmm. So like you've got uh four altars at the beginning of your dungeon that you can upgrade. Okay. So at first they just have a primary weapon then you can upgrade to have give them a secondary upgrade to give them a two-handed so each one will have a different set of weapons on it sure um each time you're on the dungeon and they'll be random each time so it's like all right you're starting the dungeon with pick your choice of these weapons that Mm -hmm. each have these abilities which are randomized a bit so it's like this is your starting point pick which one you want and then go from there right which is it's roguelike Right, right. In, in Hades, they have similar things where there's some different crafting materials you can use to, like, um, add th- more things to the dungeons during runs. That's that's also kind of like um, West of Dead or For the King, which were some other ones that I played. Similar to that, you'll, you'll get some kind of currencies that will not necessarily even aid you, but will add more stuff to the dungeons as you go through them the next run and the run after that. Boyfriend Dungeon's not like that. Um, that's everything that you get in there, including currency and stuff, you keep at the end. But more than that, you gain levels by going through it. By doing that, you also gain in power and you gain levels and you gain hit points that just stay with you. There really is no going back to the start. You even have some... Oh, okay. Yeah. There, there, And also, like, every few levels or something, you also get the option to start further into the levels. Like, it, you can start at 1, floor 1, and then I think 5, 7, 9, and 11 eventually. Almost seems more like just an ARPG than a... It's, it's closer to that. Uh, the the only big thing I'd say, though, is that they do kind of assume that you're either going to leave the dungeon in order to get all of your levels and stuff. You don't get those till you actually complete a run. Uh, you don't get the experience counted. Or you die. But when you die, you just fall down and you go back to your apartment. But it's very ARPG-ish. But then also you take the weapons in and there are dates that you can go on in the dungeons with them and you can give them gifts which you craft and stuff like that with crafting resources. So it's it's very much in the dungeon crawly RPG-ish kind of thing, but then there's also a whole dating mechanic that will make you think of, of literally the visual nov- romance novels that you Perfect, your favorite. My favorite thing in the world. Absolutely. Um, you know, they they give you lots of options to play around with the, the different characters, but I was like, well, obviously what I'm going to want to do is I'm going to want to try to max out every single one of the characters. When you gain in love levels, uh, they unlock new abilities for whatever they are, and, and then you can choose different options uh, for, for each one of them. 
it's it's definitely a unique concept. I'm gonna give him that. Sure. Uh, Dating your cat weapon is pretty unique. I gotta be honest with you, Pocket's kind of like the best out of all of them, because those Brax knuckles are so fast, and something you don't know when you start, when enemies have, like, the projectiles coming at you, saw blades or whatever, if you attack it, you can destroy the projectiles too, so really fast weapons are actually the best ones, because <laughs> you you just you can just whip through projectiles until you get to the actual the actual thing and just start hitting it as much as humanly possible. There you go. And it's hard to uh, get uh, hurt unless you get really surrounded. But you you have some interesting options, and they all do some fun stuff. The big problem I had was. From a technical standpoint, the one problem that they have is, you know how sometimes we get accused of, like, looking at our phone too much in this day and age? You no. Know? <laughs> well, I've heard tell that there are some people that get criticized for looking at their phone too much. It's bad enough in real life, but in, in Boyfriend Dungeon, after I leave a dungeon and I've, like, raised up levels for, like, several of the characters, my phone never stops texting me from like everybody under the planet and they couldn't have even just done me the service of just one block of text before i have to answer it does like the three little dots to say that they're typing still i've got like 10 minutes of trying to go through text messages for everybody and then i have like five dates i have to go on and after i do all of that and there are more texts to tell me how great the dates were then after all of this rigmarole, it's like, now back to the dungeon. <laughs> so pacing is an issue here <laughs> of how it's laid out. It's a, it's not a particularly long game. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say some of the themes in it, people would be kind of like going, hmm, uh, okay. But you know, it's a, it, it, it's, it's a very unique experience. Uh, I did not think that I would really get into it, but I did finish it, so, you know, there I is I mean, that. that's better than a lot of games, I guess, then. Oh, at yeah. Least, at least you finished. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm playing, like I said, I'm playing Hades right now, and I also have Curse of the Dead Gods that I have to start. Uh, I don't know if I'm finishing those, because they are much harder. Um, I will say I've gotten pretty far in Curse of the Dead Gods, but I have not beaten it yet. Like, there is an end point to it. Oh, yeah. Like, there is a final boss, I believe. Sure. I I think. I can't say for certain. I haven't done it, but there seems to be an end point to that one. Yeah, and and I know that Hades also has an end point, too. Like, usually roguelikes do... Uh, that first boss in Hades, I had to run through that, like, five times in order to destroy that boss. Yeah, you gotta get used to the boss fight. Yeah, you gotta get used to the boss fights. Um, and even then, it will depend on, like, what weapons or boons or whatever you've got. Oh, yeah, you know what I found is super good is if you, uh, if you try to do boons that actually just hurt people when you do dashes. And then you just try to dash as much as you possibly can through oh, everybody. I found that worked really, really well. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Um, I think that that should do it for this week. Unless I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? Everything. Well, yeah, everything. 
anyway, still some kinks to work out, still some things that we need to uh, just work on for the, the production aspect to get this all looking and sounding good. Like maybe me sleeping before I record. That would also be a good idea. Ooh, that would maybe fix your lighting because it would be later in the day. <laughs> Sun goes down a little bit. Maybe. We'll maybe. figure something out. We record okay. when we can. We record whenever we possibly can because our schedules are very, very different. If you would like to find us online, I don't think it's possible. We already talked about the internet being over. Right, the internet is over. It's too bad because yeah. if there was, we just started that website, but now it's over. So. Yeah, that, that whole new website, you know. But uh, yeah, totalpebblelockdown.com, and you can find all of our stuff over there, and there's going to be a Patreon that has new tier levels and everything like that. Uh, you can find new episodes of the show on Mondays, and uh, we will have video segments that will be going up on our YouTube channel. You can also find that linked on the website. And probably, eventually. Probably, we'll get around to eventually. It. it will probably be happening one of these days. Not just for our friends and Patreon folks, but eventually for everybody. The world as we know it. Um, the now-defunct internet. The now-defunct internet, yeah. We do everything by carrier pigeon now. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we needed to create that service for the podcast, to put it onto physical media. Oh yeah, so the pigeons can carry it. So the pigeons can carry it because the internet's dead. So we figured that, yeah. You know, the pigeons can actually carry it in binary so they can recode and re re-put the uh, format into digital. Oh, oh, please don't tell me that we have Bluetooth-enabled pigeons now. <laughs> That's... Well, you know... That'll be... I mean, all birds are government surveillance drones. That's true. I <laughs> So, pretty sure we've got Bluetooth-enabled pigeons. This is why they say all of our stuff is in the cloud. Because <laughs> it's literally the birds just flying through the sky that's, out that's of the it. clouds. <laughs> that's why you have to be careful. It's also the reason why you find that, like, it, it's very hard to get service on airplanes because every time the goose goes into the airplane, all of a sudden the Wi-Fi goes down. Yeah. Test it out. <laughs> Poor geese. <laughs> Poor geese. Oh, they're already angry. They're too angry. Um, that's, that's because Canadian geese absorb all the hate that Canadians don't have from saying sorry. That's right. Yeah, what was the what was the uh, myth that I had always heard is that the reason why Canadians are so like level headed and and calm is because they take all of their anger, they put it into the geese, and they send the geese off into the world yeah, exactly. on, on a yearly basis. Um, uh, so, and you can find us on uh, the internet uh, if it wasn't dead. You can find us on Twitter if that wasn't part of the internet. Uh, and so with that, I think that we have officially knocked down all the pebbles. We still don't know what we're saying at the end of these episodes, have we? We'll figure it out in 75 episodes. Pebbles knocked down. Yeah, that's perfect how you want to do that. I want to rock. How about that? I want to rock. No, I don't think we're going to have a catchphrase. We, we're not going to have a catchphrase? I don't I don't think we'll have one. I don't think we'll be able to come up with one. This has been Total Pebble Knockdown. We don't have a catchphrase. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>
Why don't they have a brick and mortar podcast shop? That would be because it's an audio only medium and record stores went the way of the dodo bird. We could get Tower Records back. No. And then we could make Tower Records uh, sell podcast merch. If we're going to do that, we get a podcast store that sells the physical medium of podcasts. We will actually just burn podcast episodes oh. to the CDs for people to play in their car. Oh. So they don't have to use the pesky internet to stream podcasts. Yeah, I mean, no, no one wants to use the internet. That's a failed project in itself.